0: Ladies and gentlemen, guys and gals, non-binary, pals, and the Technicolor Rainbow in between, <laughs> this is Major Media Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Chris Boingo, writer Gaston, and with me, as always, is my tag team partner, The Vacuuminator. And, Chris, do you know what today is? Well, I know it's Thursday, and you know what that means.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's Thursday, it's March 11th. And, uh, one year ago today, exactly was the final dynamite of the pre-COVID era. Oof. Yeah, very, very crazy to think about. Um, like, uh, I was just kind of thinking about that today, because I saw that online and also uh, on my Instagram, cheap plug, uh, instagram.com slash underscore backhumanator. I posted a throwback Thursday photo of the last time I was in my city's uh, major park, which was in fall of 2019. I, I really genuinely miss that place. So, uh, folks, for those of you out there listening, I know some of you don't believe this thing is real, but for those of us who actually acknowledge it, please keep wearing your mask, get in line for a vaccine, keep your distance as best you can, stay in when you have the option, and uh, hopefully I won't say that again in another year. Yep. Yeah, don't be a COVID-idiot.
0: Keep your distance yeah. as best you can. But, other than that, we have some of the wrestling to talk about. We have a lot of wrestling to talk about. It
1: was a big old wrestle week because we had
0: ourselves a pay-per-view. Pa-pa-pay-per-view. A a pretty damn good one, if I do say so. Mm -hmm. Um, But, before that... We had
1: a bit of announcement from Jazzwares, or uh, more specifically, Jeremy Padauer and or uh, various members of the AEW roster, um, which is the official lineup for, and yes, I knocked my headphones out. Don't worry, I'm putting them back in.
0: What? Uh, for? Says AE- what?
1: Shut up. <laughs> AEW Unrivaled Collection Series 6, and it is going to be... First-timers in the liners, uh, Hikaru Shida and Jake Hager, as well as new figures of Maxwell Jacob Friedman, Chris Jericho, Penta El Zero Miedo, and Ray Phoenix. This is the most uh, heavy uh, redo wave so far of the line, and I think that's because they're putting budget back for Unmatched Series 1. However, Hikaru Shida... Finally in the line confirmed it's happening. I'm so excited and uh, you, you Jake Hager. You can come to I might as well complete the inner circle
0: Yeah, I mean he is one of the last people of the inner circle to get a figure in the uh,
1: yeah, cuz uh, Sammy Santana and Ortiz are in wave four and Jericho was technically the first figure of the line
0: And we already all uh, also if we're keeping continuity for how we're talking about this We also have an MJF Yeah We just don't have a um, Wardlow.
1: Poor Wardlow,
0: Our beautiful, giant, hairy, musc- muscly boy He doesn't uh, In two years' time, figure, he's yeah. going to be the AEW's Batista
1: God, I would hope so I love Wardlow so much He seems like such a damn nice guy In everything I've seen
0: of him I mean, everyone in AEW, give or take a few opinions and characters, seem like nice people.
1: Yeah. Uh, but no, this is a solid lineup. Uh, I'm, mo- like I said, I'm most excited about Hikaru Shida. However, I am slightly interested in new editions of the Lucha Bros because I missed them in Series 2 just did not have the budget for them the first couple times pre-orders went up and they ended up selling out both times before i did have the budget so hopefully i can catch them this time on. have they said what kind of gear they're having
0: if they're like matching? Uh,
1: no it's just announcements of who's going to be in the wave okay but uh we already have their white gear and that's the gear they've been that that was the gear in series two that's primarily what they've been wearing in ew The only other gear I can remember them wearing is the red gear they've been wearing recently. So I would not be surprised if it's
0: that. The Neo-Death Triangle gear. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, man. But speaking of uh, people, we're probably going to get figures of somewhere down the line. uh, We have a new official complete signee for All Elite Wrestling. Captain Sean Dean is All Elite. And he's... uh, He's a former Marine who was, was training in the Nightmare Factory, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, uh, I be, I believe he trained there. However, he's not an official member of the Nightmare Family, as far as I know.
0: I mean, it, it, it's same. It's the same. It's the, uh, there's. I can't think of any, any other comparison. But yeah, no, he's not a member of Nightmare Family, but he was trained in the Nightmare Factory.
1: Yeah. And he's been doing a good bit of stuff on BTE. He's been all over the place on Dark. That's why he got signed, is that he has busted his ass on Dark the entire COVID era. So Tony Khan was really impressed with him and, and went, Oh, we have a little extra
0: budget. Here, have a contract. Yeah. But uh it's similar a similar kind of position as uh Lee Johnson. In yeah. terms of like really busted their ass on Dark, getting the contract. A lot of potential and a lot of future.
1: Definitely. Definitely. And uh, hopefully we see some cool things from that guy uh, down the line. But as far as things we've already seen...
0: Isn't he in a team with another dude uh, that's on AW still?
1: Potentially, probably,
0: maybe. I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, But
1: as I was saying, uh, shall we get on to the thing?
0: So real quick... We had a big pass pay-per-view for all elite wrestling uh this past weekend and it was really damn good. It was
1: mostly good. There's there's some middling things here and there, there's a big thing that a lot of people had a problem with. When, but we'll I, talk about w- all those things that later. I I would say this, if it
0: down. 0.1% of a thing is bad, 99% of it's good. So um I would say it's it's a very solid pay-per-view going,
1: just going into a General thoughts: It's a very solid pay-per-view, however, it does not top last year's revolution. No,
0: and I don't... Here's I the,
1: know some people would say you shouldn't have expected
0: it to, but myself and a lot of others did, just because of the way it was being hyped up. It It is, it is not the best AEW pay-per-view, but it's not like all of a sudden we're getting a stinker.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's a. I would say the things that are wrong with this show, and potentially also Dynamite, just to spoil some opinions, um, are missteps rather than major fumbles or face punts.
0: Yeah. And it's also uh, some missteps that I can see where they're going with things.
1: Yeah. Uh, but to go ahead and get into it, we had the pre-show match, which was scheduled to be a uh tag team match of thunder rosa and reho versus dr Britt baker and reba but not Rebel. they did uh they did an injury angle where reba was going oh i'm hurt i'm hurt here's a doctor's note i can't be in the match and the note was literally in Britt baker's handwriting was the joke um so when they come out there's this whole big thing of like oh who's reba's replacement Who's it gonna be? I wonder, and I, I was literally just sitting there going like it's gonna be Abaddon. It's probably it's probably gonna be Abaddon. But no, it was the fired idol Maki Ito making her AEW US debut,
0: and oh boy, did the two of us mark out watching this. The whole world marked out watching this. Mm-hmm. It was Maki Ito immediately felt that place in AEW. Immediately like everything kind of coalesced as her character everybody kind of immediately understood who she was Mm -hmm. she got her bit especially because she did the
1: idol singing thing but like immediately knocked out her earpiece and had to try and put
0: it back in as she kept going (laughs) like that's so like it's a botch but it's so in character it's a it's a mock it's a very mocky move uh notice that dynamite They didn't give her a chance to do that again. They gave her a (laughs) full-on pair of headphones. (laughs) Uh,
1: But yeah. uh, This was a very solid match. Just kind of a showcase for all four performers. uh, Technically five, counting Reba. Um, (coughs) But uh, ultimately, it did end with Britt pinning Thunder after an assist from Reba. Uh, continuing on their
0: feud, which will continue on into Dynamite as well, and we'll continue on to next week. Oh boy, oh boy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the first match of the of the pay per view itself, in total and proper, was MJF and Le Champion Chris Jericho going up for the tag titles against the Young Bucks, and this was a solid, solid, solid match. It wasn't like it wasn't a Bucks classic. But it's a good bucks beam movie. Mhm. Like it was definitely a great
1: showcase for all four guys involved, but it never felt like this is something new, this is something amazing that I'm only going to get to see this one time. It was like, you know, if these guys if these guys were doing a company that had monthly pay-per-views, I would expect them to bust out this match, like, once every six months on TV and then kick it up a notch from here for a pay-per-view once every six months.
0: Yeah, this was, but it was good. There were some interesting things. Uh, the um, When one of the Bucks, I can't remember who, uh, did the bounce for the Meltzer Driver into uh, Walls of Jericho.
1: Mm-hmm. There was also a great shot, uh, a great attempt at a Junius effect that got knocked into Wardlow instead, which was very fun and clever. Um, some, Some great heel emoting, like chicken shit heel emoting from MJF in this match too. Like that kick out where he just has this perfect look of disbelief that it was free and the the final super kick that he takes where he's just got drool drizzling all down his face and it's a proper slobber knocker oh, oh that's so
0: good when he, he was doing that and like Excalibur or Tony just noticed he's actually drooling Jr. say the line it's just great <laughs> but uh, the Bucks did win they do retain their uh their belts and that does lead into uh, an angle for Dynamite. Where Jericho basically goes, the inner circle is kind of adrift right now. We need to we need to reevaluate our strategy with a war council. So that's set up later. Mm-hmm. The, the best way to, do, to describe this match is that it, they were playing the hits.
1: They're good yeah. hits,
0: they're good songs, but like they were playing them. Yeah, it's.
1: This is like an insult, but it, its I don't mean it that way. It's very much the WWE style of tag match where it opens the show and they do all the stuff you want to see to get you perfectly primed for the rest of the show.
0: But considering the feud and considering who's in it, it, it that's kind of what this was designed to be. Mm-hmm. It, like they, they added heat, but it wasn't necessarily like a blood feud. It was more of like a fuck you feud. Mm-hmm. Definitely.
1: Uh, but after that, we had the tag team casino battle royal for a shot at the number one contendership to the AEW tag titles. Um, so as I said when this was announced a uh, dynamite or two ago, I was I went into this thinking like, okay, uh, I I think this is going to be fun, but I'm annoyed that we're ignoring the ranking system once again to have a battle royal for the number one contendership. That being said, this was a pretty fun match. It was exactly what you expect a Royal Rumble-style tag team match to be. It was very, very fun. Got in a lot of great little character bits. Um, Especially for the Nightmare family, there was some cool stuff. Uh, and, And Dark Order had some fun bits as well.
0: Oh, yeah. I especially love the dynamic Dark Order had the entire match because three different teams, all the same faction, it doesn't matter. They're all Dark Order. They were like, okay, cool, we're just all working together. Mm-hmm. Fuck being in different tag teams were all Dark Order And that was a really fun dynamic to see played out Private Party being heels And healing it up That was fun Bear Country just fucking I think I, think I said it I think I said it It's like this is AEW's heavy machinery Yeah I can see that Big beefy Technical wrestlers That can do a lot of great slam shit You know Definitely yeah. uh Uh, but ultimately the battle royal ends
1: with uh death triangle getting the number one shot after ray phoenix eliminates jungle boy
0: okay we need a ray phoenix jungle boy singles feud but also i love the like the final four how the final four played out in this whole match going from jungle boy john silver and the two members of that triangle that was in the match ray phoenix and pack
1: yeah because we were literally sitting there going like oh my god it's john silver's
0: time john silver's gonna win and then immediately he just gets dumped out and we screamed in agony we screamed in agony but then we also go like fuck is jungle boy gonna do holy shit ramps mm-hmm. up the tension it's great ray phoenix and Pac are like right now they're some of the best things going on in aw right now yeah um not not my picks but definitely the right time to pull the trigger on them so i'm glad they won especially with uh some of the things that we got in this week's dynamite but we'll get to that Uh, but we do go backstage to kind of uh, plant more seeds to the eventual hall of fame level signee that aew has uh recently acquired dasha goes to paul white the former the man formerly known as the big show and asks hey can you tell us who it is? If you can't give, can you give us a hint? And he was like, "Yeah, I can. I can give you a hint. This person's known for a really good work rate." And I was like, okay, yeah. because I, that that definitely eliminates I, several people. That's probably true, but like I
1: heard that, and I immediately was like, "Oh, great! I'm shit at judging work rate, so I still have no idea who it
0: is." Well, I mean, it's not gonna be Scott Steiner. If that's fair.
1: Ain't gonna be Hulk Hogan.
0: Who's realistically expecting Scott Steiner or Hulk Hogan? No, Hulk Hogan is banned from AEW. Literally, Tony Khan put out that. Oh, yeah, I know, but Scott Steiner, he isn't. And he's also, like, really well-known, but he's also very much a loose cannon. Yeah. Scott Steiner on Dynamite saying, give me that fucking mic. That would be a moment. Oh, boy. But, uh, no, this... This is just cool segment. Hence that uh the feature thing. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh but then we go back to the ring for Ryu Mizunami versus Hikaru
1: Shida for the AEW Women's World Championship. So I I hate to be the asshole, but I genuinely was very cold on this match. Like I just could not get into it because I think this had the same kind of problem that the tag match had of they're just playing the hits. And, like, on the one hand, it's, it's a newer competitor. You kind of want to do that to get people used to them. But, like, didn't we just do that that week on Dynamite? Shouldn't they be, like, trying to do something new or a little more interesting? This, this felt like the same match Mizunami had had on Dynamite that week, but just with Sheeta in the place of Nyla
0: Rose. True, but And a different finish, obviously Yeah, the different finish uh, But there's also like I wouldn't say Okay, real quick How would you grade it then? I'd say I,
1: I would give that match like A three and a half or a four star So this would probably be about the same
0: It's still a good match, you're saying It's just, you wish that you saw Some more innovation kind of stuff Something new. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. I was just going like I was fine with the match, I liked it because also you gotta think how many American people are completely used to Joshi style matches. Playing some of the hits kinda gets them more integrated into Joshi style wrestling, uh similar to Riho and Maki Ito doing Joshi stuff in the buy-in. Because for as much as we liked all the Joshi stuff in the Eliminator tournament. We're wrestling fans, and we're able to, like, accept different tropes mm-hmm. in wrestling a lot easier. A boxing... And, like,
1: especially we're wrestling fans who like Joshi. Joshi is a bit of an acquired taste.
0: Yeah, because it is... a, It is... It's, like, Lucha Libre, but with the gravity turned off. Mm-hmm. Because they're tiny, and they can fling themselves everywhere, and they can do a bunch of shit like that. And so it's... There's bits of that, and there's also bits of just, like... They're tiny so they know that they can throw themselves at each other and make the strikes sound really hard yeah and not hurt each other It's fair so but like playing the hits to the 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 lowest common denominator audience kind of gets them integrated it's like it's like for me trying to throw you in the deep end with one of my weird bands no I give you one of their pop hits first. And then go, like, okay, now you can get into the deeper end. It's mm. fair. I mean, that's that was my kind of thought behind it. Because, yeah, I do agree they did kind of play some of the hits. But I like the hits. Yeah.
1: Um, but ultimately, this match ends with Shida retaining by pinning Mizunami after a whole bunch of Tamashis. Uh, and then after the match, there's a bit of a show of respect right before... Aniola Rose comes out and attacks and is shortly joined by Britt Baker and Maki Ito. And then Thunder Rosa makes the save and we get a big old, like, standoff of uh, good ladies versus bad ladies. Oh, isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? Look at all this, all this story. Look at all this story we have now. Huh? Bash on us now, wrestling critics.
0: They'll still do it. Yeah, they did still do it. But uh, no, I'm excited for all the story possibilities in that, especially because Maki Ito is fucking... Maki Ito is a weird-ass character, and being a weird-ass character makes all the feuds ten times more interesting.
1: Mm -hmm. She is precious and wonderful and literally Deadpool, if Deadpool was a demented schoolgirl. And I would like to just exist in the
0: same room as her. So, Gwenpool.
1: No, because Gwen, Gwenpool's not a demented schoolgirl. Gwen, Gwenpool is a lazy millennial comic book fangirl.
0: So, Lady Deadpool. Different.
1: Probably, kind of, yeah. I need to read more actual Deadpool. <laughs> I've read more Gwenpool than I have Deadpool. That, that tells you to kind of go that,
0: That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> need to get on the need to get on that sexy deadpool train oh. it's also sad the recent deadpool run uh ended it's not going on anymore oh yeah gotta get gotta get folded into the hickman verse properly I'd love that Hopefully. but also like that'd be fucking weird and hilarious. I don't know how to do it, but I do know what thing that we uh got folded and that got folded into uh Uh, Orange Cassidy got folded that's that's the segue uh we have Miro and Kip Sabian versus Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy this is kind of this was like I don't want to say build as the end of their blood view but this was very much like (laughs) we're gonna beat your fucking ass Chuck and uh, Orange Cassidy we're gonna beat your ass and beat their ass they did because goddamn this was this was painful
1: yeah, Ollie Davis called it right. This is more of an angle than it is a match, cause it's just like, oh
0: yeah, pre-match interview. Fuck that. We're just dragging you out to the ring and beating the shit out of you. Oh, and it was great because they they laid Orange Cassidy out. He's backstage for a while, and Miro and Kip drag Chuck Taylor out to the ring, and Miro grabs the mic and says, "Hey Chuck, this can all end. Just just do what I say." And everything will be alright. Okay? I, I just want what's best for you. And so he puts the mic in front of Chuck Taylor. And Chuck, badass babyface, ring the damn bell. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then Miro proceeded to whip his ass. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Orange Cassidy does come in, busts out some uh, some offense. But in the end, Miro... Miro basically gets Kip distracted because he accidentally hurts Penelope Ford. And seeing this, seeing the whole situation, he goes, like, all right, I guess I'm just winning this by myself then. Puts Chuck Taylor in the game over and just wins. Mm-hmm. Goddamn. Interesting bit
1: of friction. Teasing a possible breakup. Making Miro look super dominant.
0: It's everything the people who aren't satisfied with the feud have been wanting. Yeah. And hopefully the next match is going to be a culmination of all these little bits and pieces and bring Miro into what we know him to be. Mm-hmm. Because uh, like, we did get a, a hint at another match in Dynamite.
1: Yeah, and I kind of hope, honestly, after this feud is done, because it feels like the thing that has been set up on in Dynamite should be like the end of that feud proper. I think the next thing Miro should do is go for the TNT title.
0: Ooh, like I would have
1: loved to see him versus Darby.
0: I also think this next this match and the next match is being used to kind of break Miro and Kip apart. Yeah. Because it seems like Miro's kind of seeing Kip as like dead weight in a sense, and I hate to I hate to say this about Kip because he does some great stuff, but for the Miro character, he kind of is. Mm-hmm. Kip was a good a good
1: warm up for Miro and AEW, but now it's time for Miro to to spread his wings and fly like a majestic baby bird, majestic hawk. Yeah. Uh but uh after that we got the interview segment where uh Jericho and MJF announced the Inner Circle War Council for Wednesday's dynamites, and then we uh we went on to the next film, so just go ahead and take us away with that.
0: Next we have the big money match between Matt Hardy and Hangman Adam Page, and this was a pretty above par Matt Hardy match.
1: Yeah, this was a solid make card. Um, it wasn't amazing, didn't blow me away But it had some good workmanship All the way through it uh, very, very very, good solid
0: stuff And a great finishing angle uh, Yeah, because Throughout the match uh, A variety of things happened But eventually uh, Hangman Adam Page is on the apron He's going for the buckshot He's trying to get it And Matt Hardy just knocks him off the apron But who's behind Hangman Adam Page. But the boys. The Dark Order. They catch him in a trust fall. They literally have his back. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. They push him bring him back up. He gets the uh, the buckshot Lariat completed. One, two, three, big money Matt ain't so big money anymore.
1: hmm Now we're now we're moving into Stonkman
0: Adam Page
1: no we're not yeah well, we'll talk about that yeah yeah, 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 that's what that's what i was half predicting going into this match i was like they're,
0: they're just gonna do the cameron grimes money gimmick with him aren't they no but they did something ten times more wholesome and it's great yeah uh, but uh after that match we
1: moved on to the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes with Arn Anderson versus Penta El Zero Miedo versus the Murderhawk Monster. Lance Archer with Jake Roberts versus Scorpio Sky versus Platinum Mask caster versus a mystery competitor in the face of the Revolution ladder match for a number one contendership for the TNT Championship.
0: The Sonic on a ladder match.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> literal brass ring being suspended above the wrestling ring and everybody a immediately lot of went, people were making fun. it's sonic mm-hmm. because everybody who's a wrestling critic is a 90s kid
0: uh especially the one of my favorite uh AEW fan artists dino champ uh shout out to them mm-hmm. did well, the whole sonic drawing with scorpio sky golden ring behind it and he's doing the uh, the sonic pose it's adorable i saw that i love it dino champ is the absolute best D- dino mm-hmm. champ is i want to get some of their stickers so bad um but yeah, first but thing... this was a really really solid
1: match um great work from all the guys a lot of good character stuff going around platinum max caster being the mvp taking all the bumps Oh yeah, and a solid debut from our mystery competitor, who turned out to be, as uh, was predicted by a lot of people, including yours truly,
0: All Ego Ethan Page. Hell yeah. Uh, um, and also because he was in this match, he had a great, he has a good beginning angle in AEW. Mhm. Because he's All Ego, he's like, fuck this, I don't want to share the ring with these many people. It's garbage been yeah. and it's just wow. good, it's good it, it, it's a good way to immediately get his character over yeah which was great because i saw the thing about his
1: instagram so i knew that and i've the name ethan page around but i don't really know a whole lot about ethan page so he showed up in this match and i was like oh cool i ended up calling that that's great but like who is this gentleman i'd like to get to know him and we have a decent starter for him here uh, and then, uh, unfortunately, a not-so-great thing for him on Wednesday, which is not
0: entirely his
1: fault, but
0: God, will get to that. Yeah. But honestly, real quick, they can work that in so fucking well with this character, though. Hopefully. Hopefully. But uh, um, this was a great match. Shout-outs shout outs to my boy, Cody, working that shoulder injury so well. <clears> oh, <throat> uh, yep, yep. But uh, there was also, like, a fear that he was doing the Roman Reigns thing of, like, oh, I'm going to sit out the match for, like, 70% of it and come back and win it. He didn't. He didn't. Yeah. Because uh, the boy, the lad, the man who reaches for the sky... Scorpio Sky won the match by grabbing the brass ring after throwing Cody
1: off the ladder. Yep. Mm. It's good. It's good. Made me happy. Because, like... Scorpio's been hanging around in the background of AEW since the start. He's gotten a little bit of highlighting here and there, but he's never really had, like, a huge push. So, um,
0: hopefully this was the beginning of great things for him. Whatever happened to him busting through the door as his entrance? I think that was just for that one TNT title match. Oh. That's a good entrance! They could, they should do it.
1: Yeah. Like the only the only reason you wouldn't do it is having to buy a new door every week, but like no, no, it's no. a major wrestling company.
0: No, do you just build a prop door that that fits the the thing, and can just like be pushed open, but also has like a latch. There's a way. There's a way you can make a good prop door to do that. Okay, I trust you. You do theater. Yeah, you know, there's a way you can do it, but uh, there was a bunch of good shit. Penta, of course. Uh huh. Goddamn. Didn't Penta make a Canadian or give a Canadian Destroyer onto a ladder on the yes. outside? Yes, he did. I don't remember who he did it to, but he did do a Canadian Destroyer onto a ladder. Mm-hmm. Lance Archer, of mm-hmm. course, being big boy, doing big boy shit. It was just yeah. all-round good ladder match. It's great. Love it. Uh, but next, we do have the reveal of the mystery signee... And it's it's Christian Gage. Alright.
1: Yeah. Um not not world shaking. Didn't blow me away. But it was like, alright, he fits. I can see him in AEW. I'm sad that he's not gonna get more nostalgia stuff with Edge, because this might be the last run of his career. But like, you know what? Cool. We
0: can we can make this work all those fandom edits of the hug from the royal rumble though is just kind of heartbreaking it's just like that wasn't a hug hello that was a hug goodbye it's like oh yeah but like he also
1: he did an interview on renee young or renee Paquette is is her real name she's going by that now um he did an interview on her podcast he did an interview on her podcast and he basically said like Yeah, no, Edge was one of the first guys I called about it,
0: and he was like, yeah, man, that's a great idea. You should definitely do that. It it definitely feels like he would have been lost in the shuffle in WWE if he re-signed. He wouldn't have been given anything cool Mm -hmm. to do. In AEW, he's a veteran. He's well-respected. He's well-loved and well-regarded because several wrestlers have said, Christian's a wrestler's wrestler.
1: Mm Mm-hmm like i brian alvarez on wrestling observer the other day was talking about he has the best one of the best minds in wrestling so like he's gonna be great creatively backstage so good for that yeah the only thing i'm remotely worried about with this signing is the slogan they gave him of outwork everyone i'm like that would be great if he was, like, a fresh fresh guy who just got in train and had a great – and had, like, a really good cardio or something. But he's an older guy. He just came back from being retired because of an injury. Like, maybe we shouldn't be putting him over as somebody who can just constantly be in matches
0: and constantly win because we got to be ginger with him, don't we? It may also be, like, a mental work, so who knows? That may be the angle they're going for. He's, like, a chess player in the ring. Oh boy Uh but no, it was, I was think it's a good sighting. I think we're going to have more to talk about later with it. Yeah, I got a, I got a, I got a piece to say about diamond this week, but we'll get to that when we we'll yeah, get yeah, to yeah, it. Right? We'll get to though.
1: but after this we had the semi-main event of The Machine Brian Cage and absolute Ricky Starks. Versus the icon Sting and TNT champion Darby Allin in a street fight
0: with Taz on commentary. Cinematic match. Cinematic match. uh, What a lot of people expected, what I expected. Mm -hmm. I think this is one of the better cinematic matches to have happened. It's top three for me. I know you said it was your second favorite. It is up... Because here's the thing. It's a different kind of cinematic match to the Broken stuff, or Snady and mm-hmm. Stampede. Like, those are comedy skits. Those are, like, fun, r- raucous, like, ah, comedy bits. This is... Okay, we're gonna take wrestling serious, and we're going to analyze it, and we're going to film it in a really cool way. Yeah. Like, that. those introductions alone made this match worth the watch. Goddamn... The beginning of this fucking match was just a music video.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and there was some... There's some great fight stuff, some great
1: stunts. Um, and, like, all that is due to Darby. Apparently, Darby had, like, 90% creative control with this. And, like, he was mostly the director. Um... And, like, I-, I listened to the post-show media call with all the peoples, and Tony Khan was, like, really putting Darby over. It's like, this was a big test for him of having been in film school and dropping out to become a wrestler, and now he's doing this. And one of the things he, like, really wanted to emphasize is Darby isn't just a gr- great creative w- mind, not just a great worker, but he's also willing to do incredible stuff to get everything just right. That final stun where he does a coffin drop onto Brian Cage onto like a giant wooden pallet that's suspended in between a, two balconies and they go through that onto the bottom floor. They shot that three
0: times. Damn. To make sure it worked just right. Uh, there's also like c- uh, there's also like kudos to give to Brian Cage for that too. hmm uh, but like, no. This also made Sting look good. It it, it hid some of the oldness of him. He does still look like a badass in this. Yeah, there's a lot, there was a lot he of came good off moments. Very much the same as Boneyard Match Undertaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big older, but he can still throw a good punch. That kind of thing. Yeah. But the, no, I, this was genuinely really good, really solid. It built up the atmosphere of who these people were really well. Solid like. And even then, uh, Team Taz, at the end of this, even though they lost, still looked great. Yeah. Because, like, it took all of
1: them, but they only were just barely just beaten by Darby and Sting. Yep. They all they looked really strong in defeats um, and, you know, a uh, really solid finish where Sting basically just drags Ricky back to the ring and then does a Scorpion death drop on him for the one, two, three. Yep. Um which some people could consider like a WWE level burial of oh no the hot new guy got got pinned by a legend but like he also got a lot of offense in on that legend in this match.
0: Yep. Yep, yep, yep. And also wasn't like part of Ricky Starks is like he got thrown out of something. He was just battered and bruised. Yeah. So. No, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the camera work. I enjoyed everything on it. Definitely correct. But in our main event of the evening, John Moxley versus Kenny Omega with his manager Don Callis at ringside and an exploding barbed wire death match for the world champion. And I think we need to talk about this in two parts.
1: Yeah, we need to talk about the match and then we need to talk about the finish. So the match itself...
0: Fucking fantastic
1: banger of a match great match I love I love the slow build the like just because like people were expecting it to be a big garbage wrestling thing but it really wasn't it was mostly psychology they used the ring really well to their advantage it took forever before somebody got thrown into the ropes so when that first explosion goes off it feels like a huge moment um, there's also some great bits of them using the ring to their advantage really well, where there's a false finish where Moxley takes a one-winged angel, and you think he's about to get pinned and lose, but he gets his ring up on the ropes, and so they explode in Omega's face. Not technically a kickout, so the finish is still protected, but it makes Mox
0: look incredibly smart and badass.
1: Ah, oh, I love that.
0: Also incredibly reckless, which is a really big thing with like these hardcore guys, if like they'll put their body on the line kind of atmosphere. Mm -hmm. This match Is like wrestling in that one Alfred Hitchcock quote You know the one Uh, You can have a scene and have a bomb explode And you surprise people But if you have a scene and you show the bomb Everybody, the audience goes like Oh shit, when's the bomb gonna explode
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah It's that tension It's just like, oh god, come on Don't, ah I have one complaint about the match itself though I wish the barbed wire things on the outside looked more the, like the, the barbed what the triple deaths I think they yeah, were yeah the called. triple deaths I wish they looked more like the barbed wire bed from the non-sanctioned match yeah that would have been really cool I understand it's probably not feasible with uh, pyrotechnics and what they wanted to do but that would have looked that that would have looked really good. Just in general, there's, it was a solid fucking match. I don't think there should, like, this should be a regular rotation thing in AEW. But it was... It no, was, no, no. This is a once every two years thing, Max. This is once every when it needs to happen. Like, not even, like, a timing thing. It's just, like... Yeah. Uh, But it was good. It was solid. It was great. And then Kenny Omega wins he he does do another one-winged angel to john moxley he does get the pen and there's like a good he went through a chair while doing a one-winged angel this time. yeah yeah yeah. really putting over how tough mox is and then remember exploding death by exploding barbed wire deathmatch the bombs are armed and they cannot be turned off that's part of the idea part of the stipulation so there's like three minutes on the clock left so the good brothers come out. They start handcuffing John Moxley, so he can't leave the ring. They're all laughing. They're all having a good time. And then Don Callis goes like, "All right, guys, we need to get the fuck out of here. We have a minute on the clock." John is trying to get up, trying to get out. We're all going like, "Oh shit, fuck! This is oh man!" Because we also know John Moxley's having a kid on the way. He's probably getting written off TV. So we're going like, "Oh shit, Mox is getting fucked up." Ooh. And then out comes. The family, with yeah. Eddie Kingston coming. No, I gotta help my bro. And Butcher Blade and Bunny are going like, "Why do you want to help him? That's fucking dumb." How and, he's literally screaming, "What the fuck at him?" Yeah, and then Eddie Kingston goes like, "No," he runs over the John Moxley. He's trying to undo the uh, handcuffs. He's looking at the clock. He's going back and forth, and he realizes I don't have enough time. He pulls the Steve Rogers. Covers John Moxley's going like, I may not be able to save you completely, but I can help protect you at least a little bit. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And then... The
1: Gilbert bot- came out. It was great. It was a really cool cameo. You know, I'm glad Gilbert is all late now. Uh, it's gonna, it's gonna be great to see him interact with some of those newer comedy kids like Orange Cassidy. I, I,
0: it's such a, such an interesting, wonderful. I'm sorry. The, it was the botch heard round the world. It, it was the first time I think we've ever heard genuine booze in an AEW event. This was their first major fuck-up.
1: This is- of a, the, In two years, company's first major fuck-up.
0: I mean, other people- People will also say there was other fuck-ups. The debut of Butcher and Blade, the debut of Order, uh, Dark uh, Dark Order. But those are flubs. Those are
1: mishandlings. Those are, those are missteps. This was like- uh, They had it
0: planned well, and it fucked up. And it yes. pissed people off. Very much so. And it didn't help that in the moment- no one, it didn't seem like they have a plan B. So in the moment, everybody sold it like it went off without a hitch. Mm-hmm. And,
1: like, initially I was like, oh, no, why are they, oh, I'm so, guys, guys, just stop. Just stop. Just get up. It's fine. It's fine. I won't be mad at you. Just get up. It's fine. And Brian Alvarez, I explained this very well on Wrestling Observer, if you're in that ring and you're, face down on the mat covering your head, and you hear sparklers and a few pops go off on the side of the ring. You don't know that it didn't go to plan. To you, those were explosions. Okay, the explosion has gone off. I need to keep selling. Yep. They didn't they probably didn't know until
0: they'd gotten backstage or Aubrey, who was there, said it in their ears. Yep. yep. Um And that's what did happen because there were a couple clips shared afterwards uh, the biggest one on AEW's official social media, where John Moxley has a mic and basically talks to the audience, trying to calm them down, saying, "Hey, Kenny Omega's a tough son of a bitch. This was a hard-fought match, but he can't build an exploding ring worth a shit."
1: Yeah, which is a fairly good cover. Night. Not, uh, I don't know if they had that backup plan, but obviously it was it was good of them to go to that. Instead of continuing to try and sell it, especially because there were a few people very loudly in the crowd cheering refunds. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, like I, I, it's an I, asshole I, thing to do, but on the but I do understand why someone would do. It.
0: Yeah, it it definitely feel it definitely feels like an asshole move, especially when you just sat through a really pretty good pay per view. Mm-hmm. One. Big botch like this shouldn't make the rest of it worse. I can understand making the final rating, the, your final like grade of it, a little less. And, like, that's fine. I get that. You can knock off a star for not having the explosion. I get yeah. that. But, like, it doesn't detract from those matches that already happened. mm mm-hmm. um, From the product as a whole,
1: sure. But, like... Yeah. And the other thing is did you watch today's episode of the
0: rest of talk news yet uh not the news i did watch the podcast well i don't know if they talked about it on the podcast
1: but on the news uh apparently it's come out uh via sources sean ross sap has that um this is entirely due to a third party rigging company that set up the explosions for the ring for this match um they botched it and apparently immediately got major heat backstage and especially because they acted like it wasn't a big deal and quickly cleaned up their stuff and sauntered off like it was nothing.
0: So basically, yeah, we gave you a half ass product. They acted like WWE. Yeah. We gave you a shit product, but whatever you still paid us, we're out of here. Yep. That, that, that fucking blows like uh i hope i hope tony left a hell of a customer review that's all i'll say well i mean i know one thing he's probably never gonna work with them again yeah uh overall i was i'm being hailed i'll be right back all right we're going to the screen folks and we're back hey sorry about that folks what happens with live content mm-hmm. but uh yeah botch round around the world kind of overshadowing uh, a pretty good main event and a fantastic face
1: turn
0: oh yeah very much so but i think that was more cemented in dynamite which we'll get to overall i think you gave your thoughts on the pay-per-view as a whole i don't remember yeah is solid
1: there's some middling things here and there that annoy me um ultimately uh not probably not gonna live in on my head as like an all-time great AEW pay-per-view but a solid one that blew off enough of the stuff they had been building i mean one thing i will really give this show for as monotonous as the sting and darby versus team taz build got this match that that payoff match
0: was a fucking godsend. Oh, yeah. There's a... This felt like the end of... The holding pattern of the COVID era. Mm-hmm. Like, they've been moving forward some stories, but this felt like the end of... All right, we're kind of stalling some things because of COVID.
1: Yeah.
0: But, uh... Tell me about BTE.
1: All right, so we had a uh, interesting mishmash of stuff on BTE this week. It opened up with uh, and Matt quick, Jackson. Real quick, before we can
0: d- go too much further, I did watch some of this, just not all of it. So I will be chiming in on things I did see.
1: Yeah, uh, it it opened up with Matt Jackson backstage in the uh, in in his locker room with the other uh, EVPs. Uh, opening up a package of skateboard decks he got from Birdhouse, because apparently a lot of people have been getting into skating backstage at AEW, not just Darby. And so he was like, all right, I'll just buy a a bunch of skateboards for Daily's Place. This would be great. And then instead of trucks and wheels, he accidentally ordered a bunch of socks along with the decks
0: he bought. So... it didn't seem like he ordered those socks. It just seems like Birdhouse was like, hey, "Let's give him a bunch of fucking socks."
1: I think that's how he was trying to play it off as, but that, but me, me saying as, I put two and two together. That's probably what happened. It may. He probably hit the wrong button.
0: It may have, but I think it's also really cool. It's just like, hey, there's so there's a good couple of guys here that are skateboarding. Why don't we mm-hmm. just have a couple boards here at Daly's place to kind of uh, unwind for some bits.
1: Yeah, and like a, the first person you see picking over them is Ryan Nemeth, and that guy just got there. So
0: yeah, it's a, it's a genuinely nice gesture on uh, the Jacksons' part. It's just it's just, it's just nice to see like a good camaraderie. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh and uh, then we went into some classic BTE goofiness because we get a traveling montage that's constantly focusing in on Brandon trying to cover his crotch. Um and he immediately goes up to the good brothers and is like yo guys what the fuck i know you did stuff and i have a boner what's going on and and they admit about slipping the viagra to him and he's like how the hell do i get rid of this then and they're like you got to masturbate you got to masturbate you didn't have sex all all week while you were gone yeah you, you got to masturbate dude what yeah, come on. We're going to, everybody, all three of us together. Let's go right oh, now. On free, come for the boys.
0: I saw the like, first Luke, half of this. I didn't see the second half. Jesus fucking Christ.
1: Like, literally, uh, Luke Gallus is like, all right, put him in. On free, come for the boys. And Brandon Cutler's like, I'm not saying that. <sighs> then we went to uh, the latest segment with the Vicious Vixens and now Ryzen. Where they're like, alright, we've been shaking people down for money doing the nun thing for weeks and weeks now. What else we got? What what more life does this have to it? And Ryzen's like, church merch. We make t-shirts and stuff with holy sayings on them. And we start shilling that to people. And they're like, okay, this might work. And that's the whole segment. And I'm like, is that meant to be like low-key a parody of the Jacksons? Because... I don't know if it quite works. Like, I feel like the punchline to that should have been, oh, yeah, there's literally already thousands of churches with thousands of corny, terrible Christianity shirts.
0: Yeah. bit of a weird fact.
1: Then we got some BTS footage of the Shaq match. looked cool, looked fun. Uh, And uh, then there was a very cool little bit of Matt Jackson back at home uh, with his son basically um, going like, Look, here's Dad's action figure. Here's your here's uh, your Uncle Nick's action figure. Now, watch this. And together they do the double table flip that they that Matt and Nick later did on Dynamite that week. And they kind of sync it up with the
0: footage. And it's a cute little thing. It's a cute little thing they threw. I wonder if that's also like not a dig, but a reference to what Santana was doing with like going through with his daughter and his figure. Probably.
1: Mm-hmm. Um That oh, Man that That tweet Brought to tear in my,
0: Just it in my eye. Oh god damn um, And The The Matt Hardy response Is fucking hilarious Yeah Oh look Another uh, figure I'll put it with the Thousands of others Ones I've have
1: <laughs> Uh Then we got some more Uh Good burger silliness With them in the waiting room After Dynamite Uh And The uh the The Jacksons, which is very weird that it's juxtaposed with the last bit, but like they come up and they go like, "Guys, why did you bring out tables? We had to flip onto those. That was not fun. Our backs hurt now. What the hell?" And the and the Good Brothers are like, "Oh, oh sorry, man. We just bought daredevil stunts. Were your thing? You know, like how catching a kids is our thing, man. Huh? Funny, 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 funny. Masturbation joke. ha, ha funny. It's
0: uh, ooh, it was a thing. I wonder." I don't know, but could the Good Brothers be playing into the old veteran wrestlers or kind of weird and creepy bit? I think that's definitely what they're going for, because a big part of their aesthetic is we're
1: just shilling the shit out of it. and Like, you know, we're, we're, we're here to get our brother money. We don't want to work an actual match.
0: Yeah, because like... The more and more, uh, thinking of all the things they do and say, it feels like the kind of shit Undertakers would say, yeah, that's what we did in the good old days, that's what we did, you know? <laughs> yeah, we gave, yeah. we gave the boys Viagra, it was fucking funny, yeah!
1: Probably. Uh, um, but then we got our Dark Order segment from the week, which starts out with, uh, Them all asking Hangman how much he got exactly, and he's like, "Uh, "I'm not sure. I, I kind of just told him to fuck off with the money and saved enough so I could buy a new lawnmower." Uh, Which, I I don't know if you saw this on Reddit, but amazing long-term booking there. Um, and then it's also uh, a red one
0: in reference to what Brody Lee got.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then um the dark order's like but we we copied down your card number and we bought a bunch of stuff as as gifts for you when you won the match and he said wait you didn't know if i was gonna win and you bought a bunch of stuff for me with my card and they're like yeah in retrospect this might not have been the best idea he's like god damn it i gotta go see an accountant and so he walks out and they're like well kind of screwed that up but hey hangman won it's great. He's still our friend. Probably. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, But what are we going to do about Anna? Anna's on the shelf and that really sucks. We have no female member and w- we have no one to nag or to be nagged by. What are we going to do? Who's John Silver going to yell, Anna at? And then there's a knock on the door and the camera pans over. And Maki fucking Edo, this is right there, double middle fingers. Surprise, motherfuckers! Goddamn. And they all cheer, and I cheered. I popped like a fucking mark. It was wonderful. Goddamn, we were all since that day. Mm-hmm. I I can't wait to see how they follow up on it on Monday. Goddamn. Um. And uh, then BT ended with Private Party going up to Matt Hardy's hotel room and trying to console him, but he answers the door and just kind of blankly stares at them eats some grapes out of his hand. And they're, all, and they're like, Matt, are you okay? And he says, I don't want to talk right now. And he closes the door. And Mark Quinn goes to knock on the door again. And Isaiah's like, let's give him some space. And Mark Quinn's like, but he might be he might be back on stuff, dude. That was a weird word. It's like, I don't know, but I don't want to mess with him right now. Let's give him some space. And B.T. fades out on that. Could we be
0: getting broke? in matt hardy oh that'd be so great at least on bte that'd be a funny gag mm-hmm. uh, and for, then, all the, uh, for all the smarks because i'm pretty sure you didn't watch impact this week no but i did um, see the news i did see the announcement
1: yeah because we got a huge announcement out of impact this week um Uh, nothing really to say about the Tony Khan paid ad this week. He just kind of like recapped revolution and said, yeah, we're going to explain the explosion or lack thereof uh, tomorrow. So tune in. Um, But then we had a thing with uh, Moose and Rich Swan, where Moose calls Scott the more out to the ring. He says, like, I heard you have a big announcement. Come out here and, and say it to all these people with me, all these lack of people with me. Get out here. Ha ha. So Rich Swan and Scott the Moore come out, and Scott the Moore's like,
0: It sounds right like you're saying Scott the Waz. I know you're not, but it sounds like you're about to say Scott the Waz, and now all I can see is Scott the Waz going, Hey y'all, Scott here, wrestling.
1: I mean, low key, I am kinda of waiting for the wrestling video games episode of Scott the Waz. I can't wait for that to happen and for him to just be bemused at the whole situation. And just um, go like.
0: Apparently, this one on the N sixty four is the best one. Why? <laughs>
1: uh, but uh, uh, Scott Scott Demore is basically <laughs> I like. You up there. He ba- he basically goes. All right, Moose, you've been whining and complaining forever. You've been carrying around this this title that you basically just stole out of a prop locker and calling yourself a champion forever. And as somebody. Who was in charge? One of the people in charge back when we were called TNA. I think it's fucking disgusting that you're abusing that belt like that. So now that it's reinstated and it's official. Um, the match between you and Rich Swann isn't just going to be for the Impact title. It will be for that title, and it will be a title unification match. Whoever wins the match on Saturday at Sacrifice will be the one true champion of this company. And after that. At our next pay-per-view, Rebellion, on April 24th, the winner will face Kenny Omega for the AEW championship in a title versus title match. And after they both, like, smile and start pointing to their belts, like, oh, yeah, it's going to be me. It's going to be me. They just cut backstage, and Don Callis is sitting on the phone smiling, and he's like, yeah, Kenny, I just saw there. It's all going according to plan. And Impact fades out on that. It was fucking beautiful.
0: Goddamn, I hope that's the running thing with a lot of these, like, Kenny collecting champions. Of, like, Mm -hmm. the people he's getting them from, the companies, they're so wrapped up in their own fucking garbage that they don't get that Kenny's coming for them, you know? Yeah. Rit Swan and Moose are so wrapped up in, like, their personal feud that they don't realize this guy from AEW is coming in and going to take their belt. Like that. I mean,
1: should... Nick Aldis. Nick Aldis is so wrapped up in trying to keep NWA alive that he doesn't train properly for the match. Like that's the kind of. Kora vibe about I... He's so
0: he's so focused on trying to get through to his friend that he's not even thinking about winning the match. Are so focused on being the like? Isn't his gimmick right now? He's like the Messiah of wrestling or something. I don't know much I, about it's going been... uh Yeah, no, that's something we gotta look up more, but like that i think could be the good through line with all of this to not just bury all these champions and companies cuz uh-huh. that's a that's a big problem with this because you're basically making an uber champ and making their main event stars look a little weak in comparison yeah but if you if you frame it as like oh they're getting wrapped up in their own heads and not paying attention it it frames it better it it, it keeps them over Yeah, I could definitely see that. But now, what I think is probably one of the best Dynamites we've had this year. Okay. I will explain in a bit, but I think it's genuinely fantastic. And it starts with one of the best matches of Dynamite of the year. Okay. Uh, Ray Phoenix with Pac in his corner versus Matt Jackson with Nick Jackson in his corner. This was fun! This is this is fun, yes. This is very good. I don't think this was dynamite of the year level fun. I said one of. It's not number one, but it's like in top ten. You can go with top ten. Maybe. There's a lot of year left, there. I think it also should be considered for like the next angle and some of the other stuff that comes in later because i think it does a bang up job with what goes on but this match in specific it was a great technical version of a phoenix match Mm -hmm. know what i mean like normally if you (sighs) that was a perk you all right yeah i'm good normally (laughs) normally a phoenix match oh boy that was weird Uh, Normally, a Phoenix match goes all over. It's a Phoenix match. He's bouncing, banging everywhere. But with Matt Jackson, it kind of slows down and becomes a much more technical version of one of those. And it was really good, really cool psychology. And it made me hype for the tag match that they are going to have eventually.
1: Yeah, I thought this match was really interesting. I I like, especially because the Young Bucks are known as big flippy bulls. It was neat to see Matt Jackson go for that forward. Psychology trying to ground Ray Phoenix thing Whereas Ray Phoenix is just constantly trying To flip out of Matt Jackson's Grasp and can only Just barely do it um, It was very interesting I also like the tension with the dudes On the outside constantly being in play It was very good handling of that um, Especially because They each and, got a,
0: a move each To kind of build some like more tension For the eventual tag match Yeah
1: Um And, uh, yeah, I thought this match was solid. It was a good opener. Um, And I'll admit, I kind of set myself up to not like it probably as much as you did, just because I remember Nick Jackson versus Ray Phoenix. Mm -hmm. So I went into this expecting, like, it to be on that level. And it's a very different kind of match. So it kind of threw me, and I was like, okay, this isn't what I was expecting, but it's still okay. It's still good. I'm enjoying it
0: uh, but Phoenix does win. He pins uh, Matt Jackson, which just builds more, like, intrigue of, like, oh, are they going to win the tag champions?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Very, very interesting, very fun. Uh,
1: but then we go to a promo from Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. Um, a lot of people love this promo. I thought it was pretty good. Not amazing, but really good stuff from Eddie where he basically – compares what happened to um being called for trial he says he was super anxious he had all this stuff building up in his head so he just passed out he wasn't selling the explosion he was passed out from pure anxiety anticipating the explosion um and i love as he's explaining this moxley is like half passed out in the back with sunglasses on and he just slowly starts to wake up and take them off and he's like are you talking about that explosion that's fucking stupid who paid for that oh my god oh the impact joke oh Uh, i and fucking i i went
0: to i went to revolution for a title match and all i got was this crummy t-shirt oh uh, but they also got to pimp out the shirt. It's a good shirt. It's a good shirt. I yeah. don't, I, I'm happy I got good it. Uh, mm-hmm. I think this this isn't one of the best Eddie Kingston promos. Or one of the best Mox promos. But it is a perfect exemplary of their promo skills. Yeah, and it set up their dynamics
1: super well. Like... They they straight up said at one point, one of them straight up said at one point, oh, I got a drinking buddy back. And it's very much what this promo felt like, was a couple of drinking buddies telling you about something that happened to them last week.
0: And like, at near nearing the end of the promo, they were giving j- uh, jabs at each other that like old friends would do. It's like, oh, come, come on, hey, you know me, yeah, 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 that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like uh, I love the Moxley going like you had to get your tims and do your eyebrows and and, and Eddie Kingston going like yeah this pay per view I gotta look nice what the fuck are you talking about man you know my style and it's like <laughs> that kind of like genuine friendship was just really cool but like did we did anybody have any doubt that John Moxley and Eddie Kingston could sell the botch of that ending could like make it make sense within this world yeah. Because it was it's just with that one promo, it's like oh okay cool everything is uh, better. It's not A where it could have been because if the explosion it's went off, it's not X, but it's patched up. It's patched, mm-hmm. and because it's patched, we can now move forward and do better things. Mm-hmm. If it went off, we would be talking about an S tier. Everything it didn't go off, it went down to C. That promo brought it back up to a B. We're 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 on the way to fixing of things. Yeah. Next thing is you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm reading ahead. To that. <laughs> sure. Uh, but next up we have uh the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes with Arn Anderson at his side going up against Seth Gargus in a genuine squash match. It's not not a, a lead, squash uh, match. Literal squash match. It's an angle because he. Uh, Makes the opponent
1: his... when Cody's making his entrance, really sweet moment where he goes up and gives his uh weight belt to a disabled kid. Uh um, yep. just a nice little reminder of like, oh yeah, there's that partnership with Culture City and that's a huge deal to Cody and Brandy.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also just like a genuine like, Hey, here's a here's a fun thing, here's some doing something cool. Put put it's basically put the kid over a little bit too. It's like, ah oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, And remind you, Cody is a babyface. He is—he's a babyface in the public relations department. He can get a little dickish in the ring. He's a babyface with an attitude problem. Yeah, which is what a lot of the babyface style tweeners in AWR. So Uh it's kind of reinforced that kind of idea. Uh, But he makes his opponent tap out on figure four—classic old school move, of course. Uh, We're gonna get an interview. Talking to Cody, talking about the shoulder, talking about the match he just had at the ladder match. When you hear, in the distance, rumblings. And then, aesthetic god himself, Pinta El Cierro Mero, stands up. Lucha mask, face paint, suit. That, am I wrong? Is it a fucking salmon suit, and he made it look dapper as fuck? He—it wasn't salmon. It was like a burgundy. It was like really fucking nice. Mm, yeah, it was so good. Like, legitimately, Jeremy Padour give me this
1: version of Penta in in the Unrivaled collection. I'd buy it.
0: Goddamn, there's something just with Lucha Libre masks and suits. Just that—that mm. is—that is fucking aesthetic goals. But he stands up, grabs the mic, and goes like, "Hey, Cody," and, and says a variety of things. And it's just like, "Hey, hey, I can't remember his name right now." Um, Alex Abrehendes. Upper Upperhendes. He basically goes like, "Hey, hey, come with me. Translate for me, cause I don't want to." Yeah, cause fucking we were at bo- the
1: Spanish announce table.
0: Yeah, yeah, that yeah, Spanish announce table, and basically goes like, "Translate for me, cause I don't want to fucking bother saying it in English." And Alex, and Alex is kind of playing into it. He's playing a little heel. And it was really cool. And basically, He's like, oh, you may not get to be on TV this week. All right. So Penta then proceeds in Spanish to just call out Cody, call him a bitch, say you lost. I can beat your ass. Fuck you. You may be the prince of pro wrestling, but I'm the
1: lord of lucha libre.
0: That's a fuck, That's a t-shirt.
1: Lord mm-hmm. of lucha
0: libre. Uh and basically he says, "I'm going to break your arm." No, you're lucky I didn't break your arm so you could keep so uh so you wouldn't be able to hold your little baby girl. And Cody just goes like, "All right, fuck you." Mm-hmm. And we have a uh we have a brawl, we have a pull apart pull apart section of it. Are we Penta versus Cody? God damn yeah. it. Let's build.
1: Let's build to that for a little bit. Let's do that. I'm perfectly fine with it. This is a great opening angle to that feud, and like honestly, it totally threw me because, um, the day of this dynamite, I had a conversation with my buddies who are into wrestling at work, and they were like, "So what do you think Christian's first feud in AEW is going to be?" And I thought about it for a second, and I went, "Cody. It's going to be Cody because he's worked with Cody a few times in AEW before." Uh, he's he's one of the faces of AEW be a good way to kind of get Christian acclimated to the company Give him somebody he's familiar with but has evolved quite a bit since they last had a match And you can you can kind of play it as like old veteran from WWE is trying to come and steal Cody's funder as the big baby face of the company Um. So so I was expect so like they advertised Cody in action. We will hear from Christian Cage I was like, that's the same segment. They're just not telling the citizens.
0: And then they did this instead, and I was like, this isn't what I wanted, but this is much better. Thank you. No, it's it's fantastic, and it's probably also going to lead to a big blow-off match where Penta does break Cody's arm and he gets written off a of TV to help take care of his kid for a bit. Mm-hmm. Probably um, a batch of the beach, I would, I would expect, because yeah. I think that's the next major event. I mean, no, the next major event is next week, St. Piety Smash. Oh, yeah, I completely forgot about that.
1: Because they, like, they just kind of mentioned it at the last minute. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, But that's what Penta is known for, is, like, breaking arms. So, like, it works with the fact that Cody's been selling his arm for the past couple weeks. Uh, This is fucking great. It got Penta over as a promo guy. Like, I... it, Spanish, I know, like, a few words, I think, and, but, like, I could just feel the venom dripping out of his mouth. hmm And,
1: I mean, Spanish is one of those languages that with with the right inflection to an English-speaking ear, it just sounds badass. Like, it's up there with Japanese in that
0: way. Oh, yeah. But, like, this was, I think this was a good segment. I think this was solid, and I can't wait to see what comes out of it
1: definitely uh but after that we got a little bit of setup for uh something coming next week or is it is it next week or is it in the next couple weeks i forget i think it might be next week okay because basically chuck taylor is at an arcade i think it's the same one they filmed two point show at but he's in an arcade he's walking past a bunch of machines and he's talking about like Hey guys, yeah, you kind of kicked our ass at Revolution, and you're big gamer boys, aren't you? You like your video games. Look at all these video games. Uh, Orange, you're not actually playing your video game. What the hell, man? What? Whatever. Hey, how about we have one more match? Because I'm still pissed at you for putting my friend on the shelf. So let's have one more match, but let's do, let's do something fun. Let's do something a little different. Let's take all these video games. Let's put them around the ring, and then me and Orange we're going to put you through each and
0: every one of them what do you say arcade lumberjack match mhm like this might be for lack of a better term
1: this is going to be the web redemption for the freaking fighter fest uh death match of what, what was his name? Michael Nakazawa versus the, the guy who ran the video game convention yeah. that everyone hated?
0: Yeah, but that was, that was a favor give me. It wasn't a match. But, uh, no, I think this is going to be interesting. I definitely want this feud, like, I want this to be the end of the feud.
1: Yeah, I hope this is, like, a big blow-off leading into... Like, hopefully Miro getting mad at Kip because they lose And then them splitting up after
0: that I can see what would happen if like Chuck and Cassidy Do valiant babyface things, they win And at the end, Miro puts Kip Sabian through an arcade cabinet
1: oh, And maybe that's
0: that. their next feud Is Kip and Miro going up against each other mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's kind of the vibe, but after that, we have Tony Schiavone coming out to talk to Sting. Sting starts to cut a promo, and then he's interrupted by guess. But but guess who? Guess who interrupt him?
1: It, it was Lance Orcher and It was Jake the Snake. It was nice. It, it, it was cool to see them. But, like, I am so done with this Sting format. Why the hell did we bring it back? And furthermore, where the hell was Darby? Where was any mention of Darby? Why wasn't Sting in Darby's match later? Are they not together anymore? What's going on with that? This was really weird and felt disjointed from the whole rest of the show, in my opinion. I didn't like the segment
0: at all. I I think it's just a lampshade of, like, this is what we've been doing. Yeah, no more of this.
1: But, like, doesn't Sting say as he's leaving, I'll see you in the next one, Tony? No, he
0: says, I think he says, like, I don't think there'll be a next one. Maybe I'm Maybe. I don't remember exactly. But it de- I definitely felt more like... It felt tongue-in-cheek. Because, because Sting's talking and he's going on, and then Lance Archer interrupts, and he just look on his face like, God damn it. Why? the same reaction we would all have. Yeah. Uh, But I'm excited for Sting versus Lance Archer. That'd be fun. Could be. Could be, yeah. Uh, But
1: uh, then we went on to an interesting series of things, which was QT Marshall cutting a promo backstage, uh, talking about like, yeah, Dustin and I, we had some friction at Revolution, but you know... I got man. I was in the moment. It happens. I've got a cooler head now. We're going to be cool. Things are going to be fine. It's going to be okay. I'm not uh, totally healed to yet. Match. Yeah. Yet being the operative word. Uh, but let's, let's go to this match, huh? Let's go to this match. And then we get all ego Ethan Page versus big shoddy Lee Johnson with QT Marshall. Oh, boy, this match. This match. This match could have been really solid, but... Due to network issues, it was a big freaking mess because somewhere at Turner Tower's wires got crossed and we got half AEW uh, audio and half audio from some basketball game during this entire segment, including the angle that ends it. And it really hurt the whole thing.
0: Luckily, though, as soon as that was uh, noted, Tony Khan just went, like, all right, upload the entire segment to YouTube. Mm -hmm. Uh. And I was watching like a couple hours after the fact because I like to do that. I like to be up. It's easier to pause and watch and all that kind of stuff. Um, So when I saw that happen, I just immediately went to the YouTube video, watched, then went back. (laughs) Fair (laughs) Um, enough. um, But I think this was a good match. It was solid. It did showcase Ethan Page a good bit. It did showcase Lee Johnson some. Uh, Mm -hmm. The angle itself was interesting because. Uh, at the end, Lee Johnson uh,
1: loses. Edge, yeah, he gets pinned after an Ego's Edge. And then Ethan Edge just starts attacking him, trying to injure him more and more. And QT Marshall just kind of watches from ringside and then starts walking off. While Dustin comes out, saves Lee Johnson, and is like, are you okay? Are you okay? Where the fuck is QT! QT!
0: The fuck are you doing? What's going on? Yep. And that's where we're left. Um And honestly, like I was saying earlier, I think these audio issues can play into Ethan Page's character. Cause again, he's all ego. It's all about him. It's like fuck everyone else. It's me. I'm I'm the best. And having these audio issues, I can just see him cut a fun promo next week and go like AEW just doesn't want me to fucking succeed here. They don't fucking care about me. They know I'm the best, and they, I would overshadow everyone else here, so they fucking fuck with my audio. Mm-hmm. It's garbage.
1: That, and also, like, I think he should say, they're trying to make me the next Matt Sidell. Because I saw somebody say that was that's he's on the road to being that on Twitter, and I was like, ooh, that's sad but true.
0: I mean, Matt Sidel's picked himself back up relatively.
1: Yeah, but it took him a little bit.
0: Yeah. Like I can see that he has the perfect character to play into it. Mm-hmm. That's way to put it. Uh, but next up, we have a little segment with the Dark Order. Alex Marvez goes and talks to, uh, um, does uh, not Dustin, uh, Hangman. And goes like, "Hey, mm-hmm. Hangman, what are you doing with all that money?" And it's it's a more cogent complete version of I would imagine the BTE skit he basically goes yeah I bought some I bought some things that I needed I bought this lawnmower I bought I I used it for a couple things and then I donated the rest to charity I think he specifically said the Jacksonville Children's Fund yeah really good wholesome baby face move especially for like a good wholesome cowboy character he is yeah and it also it, it. it rubs salt in the Matt Hardy wound, and he goes like, "You didn't even, you didn't even use my money. You, you just fucking gave it away. Uh-huh. You didn't even save yeah, it." Yeah, I was just trying, I was just trying to teach you a lesson, bro. And he's gonna learn the wrong. He's gonna it. It is, it's funny, it's great. But then uh the rest of the Dark Order come in, and they go like, "Hey, let's go get ice cream." Yeah, and they all get on the lawnmower except for five. As, as, as... Fuck you, five. No, no, no. There's a weight limit. Even mm-hmm. though they far exceeded the weight limit because they fucking popped a fucking wheelie. I think the look on
1: Hangman's eyes for a brief second where he's like, oh, shit. It's like, I, um, long story short, I work on forklifts quite frequently at my job. And I'm lifting heavy, heavy pallets of shit. Sometimes more than one at once. So I have, I have made that face a
0: couple times. So to see it on Hangman was really
1: hilarious.
0: Uh, it was great. Also, did you know what Hangman was wearing? Did you notice? What was he wearing? A purple shirt. Oh, yeah. Okay. What's the color nice. of the Dark Order? Purple narples. It's boysenberry. Mm-hmm. It's a rotabaga.
1: My my favorite kind of syrup. Whenever I go to IHOP, I get I put the poison there on my
0: on my pancakes.
1: It's delicious. Cough IHOP. Uh <clears throat> but then we go back to the ring, and Tony Schiavone is there to get some words from Christian Cage because he's the he's the new hot shiny toy in AEW, and well, Tony Schiavone's just gotta interview him um but when he goes to welcome him out kenny omega's music starts playing (laughs) and the sweepers start coming out and then we get a full-on kenny omega entrance with the good brothers and don Callis. all the while tony Schiavone is just going like seriously really all this pomp and circumstance again i'm getting interrupted twice in
0: one show are you i this Oh, man. it's I, it, Like, I could have swore he also said, I'm supposed to interview Christian Cage. What are you guys doing?
1: Yeah. Um, um, but Kenny and Don come out to the ring, and they start cutting a promo, basically saying, like, yeah, it doesn't matter that the explosion doesn't work. It doesn't matter whose fault it was, because it was a win-win scenario. Either we would have destroyed Mox forever, or... We embarrassed him in front of the entire world, and you know what? We embarrassed him in front of the entire world. That's still pretty great. And then they do this big gag where the timer starts going off again, and because Kenny Eddie Kingston at the comes,
0: top of- Eddie Kingston came out to confront them, and they just keep egging him on and you go like, "Oh, we're gonna give you ten seconds to get out of this ring," and the timer starts, and then
1: and then Kenny screams at the top of his lungs.
0: 69 me Don
1: and lies down on the ring and then Don Callis actually does it and the Good Brothers are just running around waving their arms like oh no what's going to happen what's going to happen and it's a whole lot of nothing and uh, they start laughing at at Eddie and and Kenny's like oh oh oh, you want this don't you You want this belt don't you well you're not going to get this belt but tell you what go ahead and take it first shot's free first shot's free come on come on come on and Eddie being Eddie, he of course does. And that leads to a big brawl. Mox immediately comes out and helps his friend. And he's shortly followed by Christian Cage, who runs runs all the people off, uh, gets into it with Kenny for a second. Um, and they have, they have a bit of a stare down. And eventually um, they all leave and
0: Cage stands tall with the other two babyfaces. You're forgetting one thing that happened. Christian Cage walks over to the AEW he, heavyweight belt. I was about to say that, yeah. He, he, he
1: held it up, and he, and he kind of made it look like that was going to be his first program, was going for the championship. And, like, look, I get it. I, I definitely get wanting to put this relatively big name right at the forefront of your company right when you get them. But this feels very impacting. Like Like, this feels... This feels like a potential major misstep, in my opinion, especially when you have such a firmly established rating system. And that was a thing throughout this whole episode, because during that opening match, SCUs sitting in the crowd and they keep cutting back to them and going like, oh, yeah, they're the number one contenders. They're next in line for a title shot. And I'm like, wait, if we're going to point out the ranking system and that they're next in line, why are we doing this thing with Death Triangle? Why aren't they getting the title shot now, especially when... You look at the actual rankings, and they've got such a higher ranking than Death Triangle. Why did we do that battle royal? Why are we doing this angle with Christian when he just got here and doesn't have any
0: wins or losses under his belt? It makes no sense in the internal logic of the company. Yes, it does. First off, rankings doesn't mean number one always gets the number one contendership. Rankings are just saying, like, these five people are in the contenders, and, like, if we want five to go for the belt, we can say five. Like... That's how it works in UFC. That's how it works in Bellator. That's how it works in combat sports. Is it? Yes, that's how it works. Okay. I haven't watched I haven't watched any UFC or Bellator. But like that's generally the ranking is more of like these are the top 5. We kind of put them in like who we think's the best out of these 5, but these all 5 can all go for the belt. Mm. Okay, so that's Okay. That's thing one. Thing two, I don't think Christian Cage is going for the belt immediately. I think that's the eventual path he wants to take, I think that's the path the character wants to get on. I think he's basically going like, I want this eventually, but I'll work for it. Because that's the thing, outwork everyone. If next week he cuts a promo saying like Kenny Omega, I want you. Yeah, I'll agree with that. It's not a bad it's a bad move. I don't think it's good. But if next week he starts having matches on a regular basis trying to build up his score to earn that shot, I think we have something good. That's fair. It's just
1: I w- I would have also like said if that's what we're going to do, if you're going to shot him to the belt so quickly. Maybe instead of teasing an interview and doing this whole thing, or I, I'm sure before the botched explosion, they planned for this to just be a straight up interview. But like, why not just have him be in a semi squash match as the match of dynamite this week? I think that would have been way better.
0: Honestly, I have a pet theory about this entire dynamite. Uh, and I think this might be as good a place as any to talk about it, because this Dynamite feels like we did a time skip two weeks. Yeah. You know? Like, it feels like this is a Dynamite two weeks after Revolution. I can definitely feel that, yeah. Um, and in some regards, I like that, because it immediately got us into a lot of interesting programs, like uh, Penta versus Cody... Um, the arcade lumberjack match. I'm excited to see that just because arcade cabinets are fucking cool. Uh, Lance Archer versus, uh, Sting, QT, and his whole stuff. It immediately kicked us onto another thing. Which, for a company that has a lot of slow builds, every once in a while basically putting in some nitrous oxide into the engine is a good thing in my opinion. It's not a thing you need to do all the time. You shouldn't do it all the time. But every once in a while kind of going like, it, it, it build it's immediately intrigue that's what it is and I am at like 50 50 with the Christian cage thing so wait what I was going on about real quick uh the reason i think they did the time skip is because of the botch and they wanted to get mm-hmm. it to a lot of big moments because a People who are there to watch Dynamite anyway are going to be going there and going like, okay, what's happening? How are they going to explain it? And immediately you get a bunch of cool shit. It's like, oh, okay. Things are on the up. Anybody who was there to laugh at AEW because of the botch to see how they fucked up will also be getting a lot of weird, big, bombastic stuff and go like, oh, okay. It was basically... It's another Band-Aid on the situation that's not necessarily an overt band-aid like the eddie kingston promo and like this kenny omega promo if that makes sense that's fair i never definitely see that it's not necessarily a great thing but i think that's kind of how it happened and that's also why i think they had christian cage say like i'm going for the belt because it's an immediate oh that's a hook Mm-hmm. That's the thing that kind of hooks you in And goes like oh is Christian going for the belt And next week is probably going to be like Yeah I'm going for the belt but I need to earn my place here So I'm fighting Ryan Nemeth Yeah Yeah let's do that You know I'm on board If that's what happens I'm on board That's kind of how I see it And that's kind of how they I don't want to say they, how they book things But it does feel like an AEW style of booking Uh mm-hmm but if next week christian cage comes out and goes like i want you kenny omega yeah no fuck this i will still be excited for the match because that seems like an interesting match but that's i mean in all fairness cage and omega have never wrestled so it's an interesting prospect but it does feel like an impacty but if that does happen it would be very impacty. it would be very WWE with Goldberg which is the big thing we've always been complaining about part timers coming back into WWE is just don't put them on the don't put them on the championship angle don't do that it's dumb
1: and how how many times have we applauded
0: AEW for treating their legends the proper way right and we also tend to forget cage is a younger legend He's not the same age as Sting. He's not the same physicality of Paul White. He is
1: younger. Cage isn't shaking around the gas can to get a little more going. He's got
0: maybe another
1: 10 miles left in the tank now that he's healed up.
0: Yeah, he's good to go. He can wrestle. It's just... There's also a level of, like, it's Cage. It's Christian, you know? Like, for a lot of people... That's Edge's sidekick. That's fair. So, like, I am I am 50-50 until I see more. But I do agree, it will be bullshit if it does happen. Um, we'll take us on to the next thing, then. The next thing, though, we have a triple threat. Three versus three. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, with Reba, not Rebel. Uh, the Native Beast, Nyla Rose, with Vicky Guerrero. Uh, and the fired idol, Maki Ito versus Hikaru Shida, Anaki Ryu Mizunami, and Thunder Rosa. And goddamn, this intro to this match, best fucking, bit of the, uh, best fucking bit of the night.
1: This this had me smiling ear to ear because it, it's less a match and just a giant brawl, a giant lady brawl of all the notable ladies in AEW serenaded by Maki Ito.
0: It was great. It's also, it, it, so she comes out, she's doing her old theme and the match starts. She's just continued singing.
1: She <laughs> just does not care. And the entire time, Tony Schiavone's going like, this is the most wonderfully weird thing I've ever seen. And JR's like, what,
0: what, what? okay, but what? And Excalibur just cracking up. It's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but eventually we do get a good solid little match. Mm-hmm. Uh, some great, some great
1: work between Ito and Sheeta, which sets up that they're going to have a title match on the first episode of Elevation on Monday.
0: Yeah, and uh, Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker have a lot of good back and forth. Nyla Rose is fucking Nyla Rose, one of the best big uh, big women in wrestling, uh, and just a bunch of bunch of good shit, bunch of good shit, uh, setting mm-hmm. up. I don't. I wouldn't say a bunch of exact feuds but it does set up a good number of characters a good number of people that they might want to use all that kind of stuff and it's a good fun match yeah What's the next thing uh,
1: the, the post match oh what oh yeah because after the match all the joshis start leaving like, like they just don't pay attention to anything. They're just like, yeah, we're all friends because we're all from Japan. Goodbye. And then just immediately Thunder Rosa starts beating or no, uh, Britt Baker starts beating the shit out of Thunder Rosa and all the American lady heels join
0: in. Yeah. And Thunder Rosa is just, uh, beaten down leading, uh, to the announcement for next week in your main event, lights out unsanctioned. Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa. That's very exciting. Very, very exciting. That's going to be grand. It's going to be fun. It's going to be good. Uh, But then we go backstage and we
1: see a uh, meeting of the Matt Hardy brand LLC. Where Matt is still eating his grapes. He's still a little sour. He's still a little upset. Dear God, I just got that. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't get it until after BTE finished, but I I, I had gotten it. Uh
0: <laughs> You didn't say sour earlier.
1: For the audio listeners, Boyne was just putting his hand on his face right now, like god damn it. How'd you did not say sour that?
0: earlier, but now that you say sour fucking grapes. Because I figured you might make the connection on your own. I'm an idiot! What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs>
1: That's going to be in the eventual channel trailer for modular. Uh, but uh, yeah, <laughs> private party are basically like, all right, Matt, we got to move on. What are we going to do next? What What's next? So are we going for the tag titles again? You want to go for the TNT title? What? What are we doing? And Matt's like, I hired a new team. I hired new people. You guys are still good. You guys are still great. We're going to do great things with you. But I hired new people, put them in the same contracts as you guys, and they're big money makers. So we're going to be okay. like who'd you hire who's it going to be and i'm i'm sitting there like oh okay th2 is being brought into the fold officially that's nice that's cool and then the camera turns around and it's the butcher the blade and the bunny and for the entire rest of the show i was going what the fuck? why didn't they turn with eddie that what why why didn't we see a proper split and i had to i had to go back and rewatch revolution to see that oh yeah that was the proper split like this this really threw me with how subtle it was
0: yep but uh i think this is going to be a fun dynamic it's going to be weird because they're a bunch of mercenaries with a
1: a fun but more athletic based team and just a crazy rich
0: guy It definitely feels like this could also lead to Private Party breaking away from Matt Hardy and feuding with the Butcher, Blade, and Bunny. Hmm. Yeah, that could be good. In like six months' time. Yeah. But in the final wrestling match of the evening, we have Scorpio Sky versus Darby Allin for the TNT Championship, and this was a pretty good match. It was a pretty good
1: match, yeah. Um, not 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 super high caliber, but pretty good. But there's Shut some good highs
0: really well. Good, good big spots, though, with uh, Sky doing some bang-on counters.
1: Yeah, like there's one point where Darby tries to do a coffin drop to the ins- uh, outside, and Scorpio catches him in a diamond cutter, and that was awesome.
0: There was um, another one where Darby's doing a coffin drop from the top rope, and he catches him. Powerbomb
1: yeah uh and and just some great work i especially from the commentators the commentators did a lot to get over sky's character in this match and like even though like one thing i forgot to mention earlier scorpio sky one of the first ever AEW tag team champions and i loved him during that had a great time with him i didn't super connect with him here i connected with him because they played up the fact that he has had anger management issues in the past and they sometimes come to the forefront in matches and oh look it's coming to the forefront in this match and uh, I don't talk about it publicly too much but I've had anger management issues my whole life. Um, it's not been a huge problem recently uh, but I would say like as as recently as maybe six months ago they were still a big issue. Um, and so seeing that played out in wrestling was, was really cool. It was really cool to see how they adapted that that kind of personality to wrestling, um, especially
0: with the post-match angle. Other than a guy named Randy Orton. Yeah, but Randy Orton I treat as like more genuine mental disorder. Yeah, but I'm just saying it's like that was my first thought of like, Oh yeah, anger issues. The snake man, Randy Orton. Mm. Uh not in a one-to one. I don't want Sky to be AEW's Randy Orton, but I, I, it was just a dumb connection in my brain. Uh but, but the whole match is just going God damn it, why can't I beat this twink? Why can't I fucking beat him? On, I'm the fucking fish of the world. I should fucking win this match. What am I doing? He's getting more and more aggressive, and that was so good. Yep, and eventually Darby does win with a roll up. Not even like a big blow off finish And Sky's just sitting there going like Fuck this shit And starts beating on Darby
1: Yeah Gets him in a big old leg hold And will not let go He has to be
0: dragged off of Darby And, and then As Darby's being tended to He looks for the heel time Scorpio guy's a heel now Not only and that you know what? He's laughing to himself Like that felt good Mm-hmm. We're we're about
1: to get Embrace the Hate Scorpio Sky and I'm fucking here for it.
0: Yep. But uh, we got some matches announced for next week. We already talked about Brit versus Thunder unsanctioned match. Uh, ge- we are getting Coda versus P- uh, Cody versus Penta so I don't know if this is the Break the Arm match or if we're leading up to a bigger one of that. Mm-hmm. Or if maybe... Cody they are doing the break the arm, but they're leading it to more Penta is the armbreaker again, and that's kind of his angle and story.
1: We're Maybe getting swoops bit... back into Death Triangle. Like six man of Cody and the Bucks versus Death Triangle.
0: That'd be interesting. Uh we're getting Jade, she's gonna be back. Uh we're getting Mox and Kings and versus the good bros. That's gonna be fun. Uh a lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff lined up next week.
1: Mhm. Um, especially with what ended the show, because in a very surprising term we didn't get a wrestling match to end this week's episode of Dynamite, and the first first time in a long time for Dynamite they've done that. Uh, because we got the Inner Circle War Council, where the uh, the group comes out and Jericho gets on the mic and he starts talking about like, yeah, things aren't going the best for us. Might be time for a change in the inner circle. Might be time to add a new member! And MJF is like, actually, Chris, I was thinking maybe it might be time to maybe get rid of somebody. We're having a real rough go of it. And immediately, I was like, great misdirection because of something they had to do later. Immediately, I was like, oh, shit, Wardlow's not there. Please tell me they're not axing Wardlow. Mm. Um, But, uh... He goes, he's starting to lead into something, and then Sammy Guevara comes out. And I was like, okay, this is much sooner than I expected. What's going on? And Sammy comes out, and, and Chris is like, why are you here? We said we were never going to say your name again. Why the fuck are you here? And and Sammy's like, please, watch this video I have. Just watch this video real quick, I promise. We're going to want to see this. And we go to found footage of Sammy putting his camera in the inner circle locker room. And it fast forwards to mjf coming in to talk to santana ortiz and uh i almost said wardlow but uh jake hager and he's like all right guys tonight's the night we agree chris has got to be put out the pasture right and like yeah sure thing um and then he cuts back to the ring and mjf's just got this little smirk he's like all right i didn't want you to find out this way chris but get him and the free start creeping towards jericho and with perfect precision timing they all turn and face mjf and he's like and jericho's like "You fucking idiot do you really think we didn't all talk all the time every day in a private chat do you really think we weren't just waiting for you to turn on us we knew this was gonna happen from day one and not you're the one who's getting a grade A beat down because you're out of the inner circle, buddy. And so they all get him in the in the um, ring corner, and he's on his he's on his ass, and he's like, Would you, "Chris, Chris, buddy, but uh, please, please listen to me. I didn't, I didn't, I never wanted to steal your group. I swear, to God, I wasn't trying to steal your group. It's all fine. It's all fine. I was just, you know, I was I was doing research because I was trying to build my own. And the lights go out." And they come back up after a couple of seconds. And in the ring, behind the inner circle, is Sean Spears, Tully Blanchard, Wardlow, Dax Harwood, and Cash Wheeler. The six horsemen. Counting on. And big old beatdown, big old brawl. Sammy gets thrown into a chair in the corner. Uh and Santana Ortiz are dumped onto the outside by Wardlow. Eventually, they all get uh, Jericho up onto the stage and throw him off into a couple of tables. And that's how we close out Dynamite, with this new stable being formed, notably with Dax Holwood hugging MJF and saying something to him, and MJF mouthing like, oh, you know it.
0: Also, Chris Jericho got busted open hard way.
1: Yeah and he tried
0: to turn that into a meme. <laughs> oh. But no, I don't think they're I don't think they're going to be going by Horsemen. I think I think it's just more of like we are a Horseman like stable.
1: I think there will probably be a different name but I do expect them to have a name and branding. Oh yeah, no. It's very quick, it's very obviously modern modeled on the inner circle and their debut back on the first episode of Dynamite, especially with that attack.
0: Yes. I honestly what I think it is is what tolly has been saying the whole time. It's the revelation. Mm-hmm. Which you know. I see that. But you know what brings forth the revelation. What harkens it? What what what's the silver surfer to it? The horseman. The four horsemen. mm
1: mm-hmm. Now, who do we think is the mastermind in all this? Do we think it is MJF, or do we think it's secretly Tully?
0: I think what happened is Tolley was working with Sean Spears and saw that Sean Spears has potential, but he needed someone else. He needed something around him to help him. And I was going like, okay, let's maybe attack partner. Let's see if that's it. And that didn't work out. I was like, okay, well, we'll just kind of... Keep steady. Tr- keep trying. And I'm going to find some more people to help. See what we can do. And then he found FTR. And he's like, oh shit, FTR. Yeah, no, this is good. These guys are old school. They're like me. And all the while, MJF has just been in the background. And MJF is just scheming and doing his whole thing. And eventually, at one point in time... MJF goes, I need a staple. And Holy's going, like, we need we need a good we need our rick flair we need a front man. we need a front man we need a guy who can get all of the heat so we can work the machinations in the background who is good enough to still win despite it you know mm-hmm. and i would imagine they would both come to each other and go like i have an idea and they both realize oh it's the same idea Let's work together. Make a new Horseman. Let's make a new faction. And all the while, he still has Wardlow. He's got Wardlow at his side, and goes like, "You yeah, know, we got a, we got big fucking muscle now too."
1: How fucking amazing did Wardlow look during this angle? Like he looked like he
0: was having the time of his life. And also, MJF—that scariest MJF has looked because the whole ninety percent of the time, MJF is just like goofy face, just like, "Ha, hey, you want to punch me?" But this is like, no. I'm a mod boss. This is serious shit here. It was like mm-hmm. genuine and like, it, like it's very serious. It was great, and I think that's kind of that vibe. It is. It's like MJF is the leader figure. Like he's the we need to win. We need to do this. We need to be strong and attack. He's that kind of leader, and Tully's going like, "All right, guys, you're going up against a fucking Rhodes. This is what you need to fucking do." fuck a Rhodes fuck the nightmares fuck the dark order they're spooky don't let them get into your head they do this shit fucking do this 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 and this and that's how you beat them Mm -hmm. and so like he's their he's their he's their oracle he's the he's the guy in the chair helping them out in the chair but you know what i'm saying like he's he's the one going like all right fdr you go this way do this fight them it's okay if you lose here so you don't have to go too too hard this that's the plan here Wardlow. you help sean there sean you do this he's guiding everything but mjf is like no we we need to attack we need to do this he's he's that young guy but damn yeah. it's good this angle was so good man like
1: especially because like you you as always you've softened me on a few things but my experience with this dynamite was first few segments were great all the middle stuff was like nah, i don't know about this, this is okay and is whatever and then this happened and i was like that's a fucking great ending that's a great ending because it took two storylines that i thought were completely separate and was equally into and smashed them together and it gave me something i had been low-key wanting for months a new horseman-like stable in wrestling and i i literally tweeted out after finishing this episode just uh caption me looking at tony khan after finishing aw dynamite and it's a picture of fucking jeff goldblum going you did it you crazy son of a bitch you did it
0: uh i'm definitely looking forward to whatever happens in this whole thing Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good I've been seeing some speculation that this may lead to blood and guts Well, I'll finally get blood and guts to That'd be fun mm-hmm. But That was wrestling this week Overall How do you feel about it? A very mixed week
1: Week of very high, high Well, pretty high highs And very low lows Um Some stuff I really liked. Some stuff I was kind of eh on, and obviously one really, really big kind of thing that uh, took a lot of recovering from. Yeah, but uh, and to an extent, they're still recovering.
0: They're still like it's not it's not an immediate fix.
1: Yeah, like this. this, I went into this week of wrestling thinking it was going to be S tier, and it ended up being like
0: solid B. Fair enough. I, I think it's lower A. I think mm-hmm. just for the sheer big balls brilliance of being able to patch that botch so fucking quickly. Mm-hmm. Immedi- like, immediately, all right, we know what we can do. We know we, how uh, we can fix it. We know exactly how we can say it. Let's, let's fix it. Like, yeah. barely any water got in the boat, essentially. Definitely. But uh that was wrestling this week and that was Modern Media Wrestling Podcast. So VAC, the Man, Mr Scott, tell the people <laughs> what? Just just the way you said Mr Scott. Mr Scott free, tell the people where they can find you.
1: Uh, well, I am not Scott Free, the DC Comics character, I am the Vaccuminator, and I am one of the uh, two founding members here on Modular Media, as well as Boingo, and uh, I make various content all around the interwebs. Here on Modular Media, you can find me doing the weekly series uh, This Week in Toku, or Twit, with Vac and Buster, where myself and Miriam of Corps dis- do very much the same thing as this show. We discuss the week's worth of news and new episodes uh, from the wonderful world of Japanese live action special effects superhero shows. Um, so if you want to go give that a listen, uh, definitely check it out. It's been a fun time so far. We're about four episodes in now and hey, our latest episode just released and it features friend of the channel, uh, database Ranger, and we had a very good time discussing the premiere of the new Super Sentai series. Um, As for my own solo work, I'm currently on hiatus from YouTube, but I do have a fairly extensive backlog of toy reviews and media analysis, and you can find that at youtube.com slash vaccuminator, which is spelled T-H-E-V-A-C-U-U-M-I-N-A-T-O-R. I'm also on Twitter at The Vaccuminator, and I post action figure photography on Instagram every workday at the underscore so definitely go
0: check that out. Dark side is. Dark side is. <laughs> hey, howdy, howdy. I'm Chris Boingo Writer and I do video essay and editorial style stuff on the YouTube. You can find me at Boingo writer. Uh You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Boingo underscore writer. And as always, you can join my Discord server. A link to that is in the description. Uh, I'm streaming somewhat regularly on Twitch. No real big official, like, in-stone schedule. Still kind of working it out, but typically saturday nights uh like 12 eastern tends to be like a good stream day so come check it out at boingo rider link to that is in the description um and overall that was wrestling this week any final words you want to say before we leave the people